Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. SoCal's Country Station, 95.1 K-Frog. I'm Pepper. This is Spirit of the IE. What will it really take to create a healthy future for humanity? In the book Climate Restoration, The Only Future That'll Sustain the Human Race, Peter Fikowski and Carol Douglas argue that we need to restore the Earth to a safe climate rather than just trying to slow down our carbon emissions to ensure a livable planet for generations to come. This will require removing a trillion tons of excess CO2 from the atmosphere. On the line to discuss is co-author Carol Douglas. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Carol, can you start by telling us what is climate restoration? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> the premise is that every, everyone wants the climate that we had, that uh, people survive with and our ecosystems survive with very successfully for over, oh, for about 12,000 years. And climate restoration is basically restoring that climate in a way that's successful, relatively rapid, and based on natural processes by 2050. Why do we need to target climate restoration now when we've been focused for so many years on reducing greenhouse gas releases? Oh, the per- yes, yes, that's a great question. People, uh, pretty much the world has agreed on the climate goal of net zero by 2050, which means reducing emissions so that there's no more emitted than is taken up you know, by forests or whatever. So net zero emissions means not putting any more carbon dioxide pollution into the atmosphere, But we still have this whole ocean, essentially, of CO2 up in the atmosphere that we have already put in over the last couple hundred years of industrialization. It's like like you have a lake and it's people have been dumping in it for a couple hundred years and everyone in the community decides, okay, we're not going to dump any more in. And that's great, but you still have to clean up the thing if you're going to have it clean. And basically, if we're going to have a safe, healthy atmosphere and climate, we have to pull out a lot of CO2. And when I say a lot, I mean, it's an unimaginable amount. It's a thousand billion tons. And said another way, it's a thousand gigatons. Said another way, it's a trillion tons of carbon dioxide that's already up in the atmosphere. It's sometimes called legacy carbon dioxide, but that it's that quantity and proportion of CO2 in the air that is causing the climate chaos now. Future emissions makes it worse, but we already have that um, to clean up to actually restore a safe and healthy climate. So how would climate restoration implementation work and how long would it take? Yeah, basically, Peter Fikowski, who's the founder of the field of climate restoration and the, and the primary author on our book, he it hit him about 
15 years ago that nobody is talking about or doing anything about the legacy CO2 that's already up there. So he spent quite a long time, over a decade, discussing with all the leading climate and other related kinds of scientists about how we can do this. And he, and technologists, and he came up with, of all the various proposals that people had, and there's quite a few, basically out of hundreds of ideas that this might work, he came up with four that actually do work, are very likely to be successful within that time frame. And it's kind of surprising because Every day you read about some new way of removing carbon dioxide, you know, the CDR businesses. But basically, these are the four that can work on a massive scale. They can scale up. They can work relatively quickly. They're based on natural processes. And they can finance themselves, which is absolutely astounding. Because people have figured out over the years, how does nature remove CO2 from the atmosphere? Because every once in a while, over geological time, CO2 heats up the earth and then the world gets cooled down again. And how does that happen? So they figured that out. And it's basically by replicating those several processes that um, we think that we can, can restore the climate by 2050, get carbon dioxide levels back to pre-industrial by 2050. So money, how would we pay to remove this CO2 from the atmosphere? Right. One of the things that just blew my mind when I started working on this is that I assumed, like a lot of people, that if it's going to cost trillions and trillions to transition to the, the new energy, renewable energy economy and stop emitting, that it'll cost even more to get the legacy carbon dioxide out. And in fact... That's not true because these methods, again, they're what Mother Nature uses and they produce products that people buy in large quantities. For instance, one of them is simply speeding up what nature does every time the earth goes from a hothouse state into an ice age. This is replicating that and it involves boosting photosynthesis in the ocean by boosting the base of the food chain, which is phytoplankton, tiny, tiny green plants and algae. And if you boost that, give the phytoplankton the nourishment they need, they photosynthesize like crazy, which means pulling down carbon dioxide like crazy. And when they either get eaten and those animals die or when the phytoplankton itself dies, it goes down and gets suspended in the cold water in the deep ocean. So, it's pulling lots of carbon dioxide out of the air, and it's the base of the food chain, so the fisheries come back. So it would be easy to finance in a public-private partnership, basically, which are a number of these are being pursued in, in various places. A lot of coastal and island governments are very interested in this, and they would finance it. It's not very expensive, and they would finance it through... You know, sales of fishing licenses or, or fishing fees or that kind of thing, it would be very easy to find out. And then they would also get more revenues from having the fishing sales increase dramatically. So in four methods of climate restoration, produce products that people want. Fish, also seaweed, also building materials. I'm speaking with Carol Douglas, co-author of Climate Restoration, The Only Future That Will Sustain the Human Race. Won't climate restoration allow businesses to continue to release CO2 into the atmosphere rather than reduce those levels? Yeah, we need to do both. We need to 
stop emitting. Of course we need to stop emitting. And we need to stop burning fossil fuels as much as we possibly can for, for a lot of reasons. For one thing, fossil fuels have horrendous effects on public health. They kill air pollution from fossil fuels, diesel and such, and coal plants and whatnot, kills um, more people in a year, every year, than have died so far in the, the three years of the COVID pandemic. I looked that up the other day. Um, it's re- Yeah, there's lots of reasons that we need to get to net zero. So no, it's not an excuse. <laughs> it is not an excuse to keep polluting, not at all. We need to get to net zero and go further and withdraw the CO2 that we've already put in the air over the last couple of hundred years. One of the really interesting methods is basically by making synthetic limestone. Limestone is amazing. It's about close to half by weight CO2. And it's made by nature, of course, from the shells of small sea animals, oysters, clams, corals. They basically make it and then it turns into the form that we know of as limestone after it sits on the bottom of the ocean for a very long time and it gets compressed. But scientists have figured out how to manufacture usable, very useful limestone, very high quality limestone in a matter of days as opposed to a million years of waiting for it to get hard So, and coalesce. So that can substitute for aggregate in concrete. And it's so... Since it takes up so much carbon dioxide, it compensates for the CO2 that comes, you know, from making cement. And it's very strongly negative, negative carbon, that material. And it's already in use and being scaled up as we speak. It's in, it's in use in parts of the San Francisco International Airport, building new terminals and runways. They're using carbon negative concrete which is, I think is really exciting. And it's passed all kinds of quality control tests and whatever. And companies all over the world are looking into being licensed to produce it. And we, we have high hopes that that will scale up really fast. What's the overall opinion of the scientific community regarding climate restoration? Do they think it'll work? Well, yeah. A lot of people think it'll work. A lot of people, I don't think that they don't think it'll work. They're wary that because they, it's It doesn't have decades of peer-reviewed literature on it. There's enough science, and some of it is peer-reviewed. There's enough science that we know that it should work, and it does work. There's not enough science and a long enough track record of science to satisfy a lot of people who say, no, needs more research, needs more research. I think the way we're thinking of it is that there's enough science to show that that it works. And at that point, it's a project management question. Do it. If anything, all of these things are, we think are tremendously safe because nature has been doing them for millions of years. (laughs) So it's kind of been tested for a very long time. Should something go awry, and we know often things do go awry with new technology, although this is arguably not new technology, but if, if something goes awry in a project, then it will be very carefully monitored and course-corrected or stopped. In fact, there is a global climate restoration safety and governance board being assembled right now to oversee projects, to vet them, to make sure that they will have only good impacts on communities and the environment and um, be as effective and safe as we think they will be, and make everything public 
so that you can track any of these things and that they're very carefully monitored so that any harmful side effects that may arise, um, they would be unexpected, but if they do arise, they would be fixed um, or they're you know, immediately or the project would be stopped. A lot of eyes will be on these things, which is good. Along those lines, how sure are we that these technologies won't produce unanticipated consequences as has happened with past human tinkering with the environment? Like, how do we know we're not doing more harm than good? Yeah, the first way is that, again, these are basically methods that have been used by Mother Nature for millions, if not billions of years. And people replicate them. It's a whole, there's a whole field called biomimicry, which is really, really interesting. I would urge all of your listeners to, to look into it. And these are biomimic methods. So we know that they're, they don't produce harmful chemicals or anything. And they've all been demonstrated. They've been developed. They've been demonstrated. And some are, again, in practice. No harmful side effects have been seen from any of these things. People definitely worry, as you say, we've been tinkering with our with our environment for a long time. The difference is, A, that it, these are based on natural processes, and B, that this is very intentional. Because we got into this mess because we were interested in good stuff that comes from having fossil fuel energy. And well, the pollution, carbon dioxide and otherwise, is a byproduct of getting what we wanted energy and heat. These are processes that, that produce commodities that we want. And as a byproduct, they all, they take up carbon dioxide instead of giving it off. So we're pretty sure. And again, this, this international safety and governance board is being assembled to be on top of every major climate restoration project. People will apply for a certification and to, um, it will be vetted. The project will be vetted by a board of scientific and ethical experts and representatives from First Nations and local communities, and as well as science and technology. So there's a lot of safeguards going into this. I've been speaking with Carol Douglas, co-author of Climate Restoration, The Only Future That Will Sustain the Human Race. How would you like us to get your book? Oh, the book is available anywhere that you buy books online, be it Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, or the publisher, which is Rivertown Books. And it, I consider it the antidote to climate despair, climate anxiety. It takes away people's climate anxiety because it shows that we do know how to restore the climate. We can do it. We've started to do it. It's feasible, possible, financeable, and uh, we can get back to a climate that we know how to live with and it has been um nurturing us for 12,000 years. And any other last thoughts for us? I can understand if people resist getting another book on climate because usually they're informative and dismal. It's all about how bad it's going to get. Our book is exactly the reverse. We don't talk about how bad it's going to get at, at any length because you can find that anywhere. We show that we can restore a climate that humans have survived and thrived in long term. We know how to do it. We can finance it easily without a lot of government or, in fact, any government funding. And I would say that this is a good news book. I would urge everyone who's concerned about the climate to read it. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today, and we will look forward to reading your book. Thank you. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.